All right, let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for utterance. Holy Spirit, I just yield this service to you. We want it to be the oracles of God, what you think, Father. No opinion of mine. Father, give each individual here rhema. What exactly what we need to hear today to make course corrections in life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're still doing this hearing God for myself, but we're just switching to, you know, conscience. And conscience is the voice of my spirit. And uh, we went through this whole thing about being a son, growing up and being a son, and having a spiritual mindset and growing up spiritually. And uh, we went through prophecies and visions and dreams of how God talks to us. But we saw that the number one way was that we perceive. Do you all remember that? The number one way that God talks to us is that we perceive stuff. Uh, and really, in order for us to, un- to, to get that perceiver to understand that, to, in order to hear it, the mechanism that God uses is our conscience. It's the voice of our spirit. Now, I- I'm talking right now, and we would say, well, Andrew's talking. We wouldn't say technically it's the voice of Andrew or Andrew's voice is talking, even though technically that's what it is, isn't it? It's my voice that's talking, but I- I'm the one that's making the-, the thing move. Well, conscience is it's, it's your spiritual voice box, if you will. It's the mechanism that you get uh, that, that talks to you. Okay? Because your spirit, if you, and, and, and we'll get on to this, and as we see this thing in the conscience series, this is the third time we've taught on it in probably less than two years. It is less than two years. Uh, and we get a little deeper and deeper each time. And as we develop and understand how to cooperate and hear that voice of our spirit, that's when all this stuff with the influence of the Holy Ghost, remember, uh, if you're a son, you're influenced. That's how we can activate and take that influence from. Because my spirit's in constant contact with God's spirit. You understand? But what I need to do is get that information from my spirit over into the rest of my being. My, I need my body and soul to get on board. Okay? And your conscience is the way that that happens. Okay, so go over here to the uh, first one. John 14 and verse 16 says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth, or in the Greek it says, it perceives him not. Now, uh, just to stop right here. Do you understand? It says right here that they couldn't receive because they couldn't what? Perceive. Now, that, that's, a, that's a faith principle right there. If you're not receiving, it's because you're not perceiving. Okay? It says, neither do they know him. But you know him, and that Greek word is perceive. You perceive him, for he dwells with you, and shall be in you, and now He is in us. Because when Jesus was talking at that time, the Holy Spirit could come up on you, but He couldn't be in you. There was no new creatures until He rose from the dead. Remember in Colossians 1, it says that He was the firstborn up from the dead. That means He's the firstborn living Spirit from the dead. Now see, here's something we got to really... Uh, I, let me just back up, because I, I don't want to gloss over this, that we are a spirit being when you get born again. You have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Do we all understand? See, if you can understand that, that there is a difference between your spirit, that's the real you, your mind, your will, and emotions, and, and then your body. When you, when you understand that people that aren't born again, their spirit is not, they're dead. They don't have a spirit. They're a two-part being. So don't get mad. They, they can only do what their body does. They, they have no shot at doing anything other than what the flesh does. You understand? Because their spirit, it's not allowing, you know, we try to make religion, get people to do this behavior checklist, and, and how many know they, they're going to mess up? If you try to operate in just your mind, will, and emotions and your body, you'll mess up. And people that aren't born again, they're going to mess up. They have no choice. That's why I says you're in bondage to settling for less. We want to get out of that. Right? And just because, you're, just because you got born again, how I many know all of a sudden you're just not in bondage anymore? You still have to have your spirit develop. You all remember this? Have your spirit grow up just like a baby physically grows up in order so your spirit can dominate and you don't have to do what your body and your soul and your mind and your emotions tell you to do. 
and that's where we're trying to go. Okay, so here's the deal with perceive. Go to the next one. This is the whole thing is perceiving is to become aware of to achieve understanding sense intuitively, to know in your spirit, to sense into it's like that gut check. Now, I told you, if you're not born again, you can't perceive on your own. There's other spiritual influences at work in your life. Because remember, we read this in Deuteronomy a long time back, a couple weeks ago, that God didn't give the children of Israel a heart to perceive. They didn't have a spirit to perceive. All the miracles, and every time that He pulled them out of the fire, they still weren't getting it. I mean, you know, you and me, we're born again. If we saw the Red Sea part, you know, I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, big waves, and we walk through on dry ground. I get that. I don't understand how they couldn't get it. Well, it's because I have a spirit or a heart to perceive, and they don't. That's why it says that natural man can't understand the things of the spirit. It's ridiculous to him. It's foolishness. That's why you know all this. Oh, is this the tomb of Jesus? And was that you know I had that fifty questions about is this that you know did he have a wife and kids? Yeah, no. I believe what the Bible says. If you don't, I can't help you with that. You could try and figure out, but you, your spirit's not alive unto God, so you don't have a heart to perceive that the Bible's true. You all following that? Okay, so the number one way that God even talks to us is perceiving, that we sense intuitively, we know in our heart, just like you know that you're born again. Everybody, you know, you know you, that voice, if I said, no, you ain't born again, you ain't going to heaven, hey, did you hear that on the inside of you? You said, no, yes, I am. You can feel that on the inside, that's, that's perceiving. Okay, we want to take that and apply it to every area in life so I have answers to questions in every area in life. And every decision that I make, I want to be able to perceive, don't you? That's getting moment by moment rhema. Go to Romans 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led or induced or influenced by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, I'm kind of backing up a little bit, but remember, if you're not influenced by the Spirit of God, if you don't live your life uh, according to the influence of the Spirit of God, then this says you're not a son of God, right? A lot of people in the body of Christ, they're not influenced by the Spirit of God, and they're not full-grown sons. They're kids. Okay? Verse 15 says, But you have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, what this tells me is that you have the ability to hear the Holy Spirit even from the time you're a child. Isn't that what it says? You don't have to wait till your full-grown son to hear it, do you? Because He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children. Now, that whole thing bears witness. Really, uh, you ever been in, seen any of those courtroom dramas? What's a witness do? Testify. What's testifying? Under oath, they tell the truth as they what? Know it, or they perceive. It. They they had they tell you what they saw. Isn't that what we wanted out of the witness? How I many know the Holy Spirit will tell you the truth as He knows that that's a big deal. Doesn't He know the truth? Yeah. The truth, truth. What really happened? Not the spin. Right? Okay. So. What we have here, go to the next one, is this is how God talks to us. Spirit-to-spirit communication. Because He says, the Holy Spirit, He testifies or tells me the truth as He knows it to my spirit. And yeah, He said that you're the children of God, but it could be any truth. Because the witness testifies to whatever truth He knows. How many know the Holy Spirit knows some truth? Is He just limited to one piece of truth? No, He knows it all. So, God's Spirit talks to my spirit. And go to the next one. In Romans 9 and verse 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bears me witness or communicates with it in the Holy Ghost. So my spirit is going to talk back to the Holy Ghost. And he uses the word conscience here because conscience is the voice of your spirit. Conscience is the part of your spirit that does the talking. It's just like my voice box and my larynx. Isn't that what it is? Larynx, vocal cords, whatever. 
I want to get an anatomy here. Yeah, where's yeah, Karen's here. So, do you see how this works? My spirit to God's spirit. But what you're, he's saying is that your conscience is the one that talks to you, and it's the one that will talk to the Holy Ghost. And go to the next one. And here's what conscience is in the Greek. It's sunidasis. Sunidasis, I'm sorry, sunidasis is the Greek word, and actually means co-perception or to perceive together. That your conscience perceives mutually with the Spirit of God. And I have down there 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. It says, He's that joined to the Lord as one Spirit. When you get born again, God's Spirit mixes with your Spirit. It's all jumbled. I can't tell the difference. You ever put creamer in coffee? It's still a cup of coffee, isn't it? Could you separate the creamer from the coffee after that? No. That's what happens when you get born again. God's Spirit mixes with your Spirit. Yeah, you're, you're all Spirit. And you're one Spirit. We can't separate it out anymore. And now together you co-perceive. Your conscience is the ability to you for, to, for you to perceive mutually with the Holy Ghost. As the Holy Ghost perceives, you get to perceive. Isn't that big? That's huge. Because now once you get born again, you have the same ability to perceive everything that God perceives. The same way that the Holy Spirit perceives, you have the ability to. That's what your conscience is. Now see, the world's debt, go to the next one. It's only found in the New Testament. And the world's definition of conscience is different than ours because theirs is just like, did you do right or do, you know, the little angel and the little devil on your shoulder? You ever seen that in the cartoons? And one will say, yeah, do it. And the other one will say, no, don't do it. You know, that's what we think conscience is. But if you're not born, if you're only soul and spirit, you don't even have, you don't have the, you can't co-perceive, can you? You can't. It's not available to you. So we'll talk about that as we go on. But, the Bible definition, what God says is your conscience, is the voice of your human spirit. And what it does is it communicates to you whatever the influence of the Holy Spirit is. So in order to hear from my spirit's always talking to God's spirit 24-7. We're one spirit. We're mixed together like that cup of coffee. How I many know the cream and the coffee is in constant communication in that cup? Aren't they? Right? If we can't separate it, they've got to know what's going on with each other, don't they? All right? So when you get born again, you, always, you have that ability... Now, how do I get that ability to go from over here in my spirit to I need to know in my mind what decisions to make in real time? Don't we? So now that we have a spiritual mindset, yeah, we've grown up, what do we, i got to get that information to the rest of my being. i got to get it to my body, and i got to get it to my mind, will, and emotions. Because if I can't get that information, it doesn't help me any. Just because my spirit knows, well, my spirit knows, that's great. How do I get that to control the rest of my being. That's that spiritual mindset. A good way? That good and evil list. That's a good way for your conscience. See, if you train yourself, you train your mind to understand good from evil, your spirit will pipe up and go, yeah, that one's evil. That ain't from God. But if you, hadn't, if you don't have that information in there, that's why we talk about the renewing of our mind. Don't be conformed. Don't do it the world's way. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've got to get certain information in there. I've overshot my notes. Shocker. <laughs> Go to the next one for a minute. Okay, Romans 2 and verse 14. Now, here's, this shows us the process of, really, that it is your conscience that talk. Where, does your, where, do you receive your, where do you receive that voice of your spirit? How does the rest of your being communicate? Don't we want to know what that is? Okay, so here's what it says. For the Gentiles are people that weren't born again, are not Jewish, I'm sorry, people that were not Jewish but are born again, who did not have the law by nature of the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law unto themselves. We're saying, anybody here born, uh, born up under the law of Moses? Were you guys, any, 
And did you, nobody here, right? I'm sh nobody, nobody, okay. I wasn't an Orthodox Jew, so I don't know what all the law is. But when I got born again, I don't need to know what the law is because he says that we have a, by a very new nature. We do the law ourselves. Now, have you ever seen, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of Christians that they don't by their own nature do the law, haven't you? Because they haven't grown up yet. But look, now watch, it says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, that's your spirit, their conscience also bearing witness. Now what's bearing witness again, remember? Testifying, telling the truth as you know it. So who's doing the talking here? Your what? Conscience. And then it says, therefore, it says in the King James, and their thoughts, but the word in the Greek is, therefore their thoughts, the meanwhile, accuse or excuse one another. So what it is, is your conscience therefore talks to your thoughts, and then your thoughts will make the decision, yeah, good, or no, not good. So where do we receive that voice of our spirit? In our what? Our conscience talks to our what? Mind, our thoughts. Do you know every, vo every voice that you hear on the planet, you hear with your thoughts? This is the receiver, your thought, your brain housing group, your intellect, is where you receive every voice, isn't it? Audible voices go into our ear and they go into here when they process in our thoughts. That chair might be talking to you right now and telling you I'm cold. Is it? I'm uncomfortable? It will in a couple minutes. Just hang on. Well, I want to say, everything will talk to you after a while. If you, you ever run around in your car on empty, the little light comes on, beep, what's it doing? Is it talking to you? Yeah, where are you receiving that? In your thoughts, isn't it? Because it's not an audible voice with that thing on empty. It's actually a visual voice. I'm on empty. And then you'd be like, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Well, we've got to find a gas station, doesn't it? How about, how about like the Oreos? Do they ever talk to you? Or potato chips? I know, Mickey's mad. Whatever it is. You ever walk by the... And then it talk to you? Ooh, Krispy Kreme, hot now, son. You know. All kind of stuff will talk to you. And we receive all these voices in our minds or our thoughts. That's the receiver for every kind of voice. Now, God is the only, the only one, the only voice that will never talk to your mind. Because he's a spirit. Where does he talk to? Our spirit. Remember we just went through that. That my spirit talks to who? God's spirit. God's spirit talks to my spirit. Now I've got to get that information from my spirit to the rest of my being and it goes into my mind. But it's my, my spirit. My conscience is the one that will talk to my mind. God will never talk to your mind. Did you all hear that? Hell will. The devil will. He loves that. That's really his only trick right there. That's the only place you could talk to is in your mind. You ever hey, here's here's his favorite, here's a mantra. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do now? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You ever had that? What are you gonna do? Whatever thing you're facing, what are you gonna do? You know that bill's due, you can't pay that. What are you gonna do? They don't have a cure for that. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So you gotta have you gotta have a spiritual mindset, be grown up for your conscience to go, Well, we're gonna believe God. How do you like me now? Better or worse? Your body will probably say worse. Because it's not gonna it's gonna be a fight. Because your mind and your body is used to thinking all that. And obeying whatever voices come from the outside world. Go to the next one, man. First Corinthians fourteen ten says this there are it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them is without signification. Every, everything on the planet is trying to get their voice heard. You ever heard that? There's every kind of, you know. A lobbyist group, you know, animals rights group, environmentalists, you know, big business, the Democrats, the Republicans, you name it, 
everyone's trying to get McDonald's, trying to get their voice heard. That's why the commercials, the volume on the commercials gets jacked up. You ever be watching a show, you could hardly hear it. Then the commercials come on and it like blows your ears back because they're trying to get their voice heard. He says, none of them are without signification. Lots of, and we're getting pushed and pulled and driven and led. And so, you know, first thing that we do is cultural, right? Whatever society deems as appropriate behavior. Then what don't we act like that? How it, well, that's just not, that's not the norm. I mean, we're kind of weird for going to church here. It's not the norm. Right? All right, so we are, we're doing good because we're already not obeying some of the norms and some of the voices. I mean, so, you know, some voices, they're not that uh, loud, so we don't really pay attention to them. How do you know when the car's at quarter of, quarter of a tank, it's not as loud as when it is at empty? Is it? Is the voice from your car when it's at a quarter as loud as it is when it's empty? And when it's full, it's really kind of a nice voice, isn't it? I'm full. You ever, you know, right? Right after you drive off the gas station and it's all full, your car will be telling you, yeah, we're full. It's all a nice, quiet, soothing voice. Kind of pat you on the back. Good job. And then after you get the oil changed, I'm driving better. Does it ever tell you that? Or even if you just get it washed, your car will be like, I'm driving better. <laughs> haven't you heard that? Doesn't your car ever tell you that? So what, what we had a lot of voices out there, but the ones that we really listen to are the ones that are loud and urgent, like when it gets down to empty. Or your tires are bald and they're out around and they start shaking. You ever have, oh, you got to get me fixed, you got to get me fixed, you got to get me fixed, you got to get me fixed. So we'll be driven by whatever the loudest voice is or whatever the most urgent voice is and whatever the most persistent voice is, aren't we? If it's loud and it's urgent and it's persistent, one of those three, we'll end up doing whatever it tells us. That's why nagging works. It's true. We'll just take, all right, just take Jack for an example. If Jack doesn't get the answer that he wants, the question will continue until he gets the answer that he wants, and it doesn't matter how long it takes him to get the answer that he wants, he won't stop. He's just on it. Can I have a piece of gum? No. 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 Just get gum and get out of my face. Thank you. <laughs> That's persistent. Sometimes he'll get loud, right, and stomp his foot, and, and then he'll try loud, and that one doesn't work. And then he'll try urgent. You know, i got to have gum right now, and that one doesn't work, so then he'll go back to persistent, and then eventually we'll just tell him, you know, go get your gum. And then Drew will be like, how come you always do that? Because I want some peace, Drew. If you tried it, it would probably work for you too. I'm glad you don't. You know, but, so you understand, that's what we do. That's what we do when we go buy a car, right? The guy will tell you, this is a deal of a lifetime. i got a guy coming in 10 minutes. You know, if you don't get it right now, you're going to miss it. Guess what? They make cars every day. And you know what? They make them better than this one. Same thing on any real estate deal, any house deal. Don't be pushed into anything. See, this is what we've got to do. is We've got to hear from God, and my spirit's got to communicate with God's spirit. Then I've got to hear what my conscience tells me to do to make a decision, either excuse or accuse. Yeah, that's a good one. No, that's a bad one. But don't be pushed by any outside voice or any other voice. Hold your ground. See, but if you don't have a spiritual mindset, if you're not grown up and you're a son, you're not tossed to and fro like the child, because you won't know. If you're a child, how many know it's easy to influence a child? If you have a loud or a persistent or an urgent voice, they'll end up doing with whatever, whoever it is. Well, who, even if it's somebody they don't even know. They get yelled at. Right? That happened this week with one of the kids, one of the janitors at school yelled at him. And Kimmy looked over and he's crying. Well, we don't really know that guy. Did he obey whatever that guy said? Yeah. Why? Because he's big and he's scary. And he yelled at me. See, but we do the same thing as adults in this society. Y'all, 
what 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 are all the thought what are the voices that are talking? Do you ever get pulled over? What are all the voices going through your head when you get pulled over? All kind of stuff, right? Oh hell yeah. Start crying, whatever. Oh boy. You, you know, after being a cop for seven years, I don't have that fear. Those voices don't. You know what my voices tell me? Boy, that guy's messing up. Look at the tactics he's using. I can't believe he did that. It, it, it's a whole. Di- so when you grow up spiritually, you won't have those same voices. You'll be able to look at stuff and go, yeah, no, nope, that ain't right. Yep, no, that isn't right. Look, hey, they messed up there. And your confidence level will go up because you know you're hearing from who? God, the Holy Spirit will testify to you the truth as He knows it. You don't have to fear anything anymore. You don't have to bow to any other voice. Because we will, though. Man, there's huge pressure. Whether it's family, or it's society, or where you work, right? Or where you go to school. There's, you know... And yeah, we do want to obey the law and we want to be good citizens and all that because the Bible tells us, and we'll get into that later, it says we need to obey the ordinances of man. And you know, the ordinances of man isn't pressured to buy the car right now. Is it? Or hurry up and close on this house. Or give me your earnest money. Or call 1-800-blah-blah-blah-whatever right now for 1995. Do it right now and we'll throw in a free whatever. Or the minister on whatever Christian station is telling you plant your $1,000 seed right now because the first 15 people to do will get a triple bonus blessing. (laughs) It's the same tactic as the guy at the car. They just try to use God at the end of the hook and we buy into it. Y'all, is this helping you any? Because what will happen is you've got to understand that people have an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. They all have a, they're all trying to reach an end goal. Probably, here's the number one agenda in the world is take care of number who? One. See, we all know it. I mean, your conscience won't let you have that agenda. You can probably peg that one right now. If you've been born again for any like you know that that you know on the inside, take care of number one is not is not the right thing. Do y'all know that? Yeah. Your conscience will tell you, no, that ain't right. If you hear that, you'll because what they'll do is somebody who's taking care of number one will step on anybody, it doesn't matter who, to take care of themselves. Be it their wife, their kids, their husband, their family, their friends, whoever. Just be, be prepared. If there's somebody that has that, and you know, and they'll say this, do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. No. We don't do whatever. What do you mean, whatever it takes? Whatever it takes to reach my goal. No, I'm sorry. I will not do whatever it takes to reach my goal. What I will do is listen to my conscience. I'll listen to the voice of my spirit, and I'll find out what God wants me to do, and I'll do that one. Because I mean, you could step on some stuff doing whatever it takes. And there's ministers out there that do it, and, they, and there's a whole trail of folks behind them that they squashed because they're doing whatever it takes to you know, build their little corporation called quote, quote, ministry. And I'm trying to put it in the Christian realm because I want you to understand this isn't this isn't outside the family. This is in the body of Christ. That thinking is rampant in the body of Christ. Take care of number one. Well, really, who's number one? Oh, well, okay. Well, then, you know, then it kind of changes it. But we still won't do whatever it takes. I'll let him do whatever he wants to do and he can do whatever it takes. If he wants to split the Red Sea, good, but I'm not going to slit Pharaoh's throat. Remember David? He wouldn't kill Saul, would he? He said, God, you can take care of that. If you want him taken care of, you do it. But I'm not going to, even when he had opportunity. He messed with his mind a little bit, cut a little piece off his coat, and then was waving it around. Woohoo! hey Saul, look, I could have killed you last night, but I didn't. That might not have been right either, but at least he didn't kill the guy. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. 
All right, so go to the next one. There's two different kinds of conscience. Oh, good, I got to. Two types of conscience in the Bible. There's a good conscience and an evil conscience. Good and evil. Now, these words, good and evil, that are translated that in the English, they're not our good and evil list, okay? So I, I, you just got to kind of suspend the good and evil list when we're talking about this because these Greek words mean something different than the good and the evil words that we talked about in the good and evil series, okay? So we'll look at the good one first. Go to the next one. Good means this in the Greek. It means that it is noble, it's honorable, it affects the mind agreeably, it's comforting, say peace, peace. right? And it's confirming, or we use the King James bears witness. It'll tell you yes or no. That's a good conscience. will bring peace to you. It's noble and honorable, right? It affects the mind in a good way, agreeably. Brings peace, comfort. That's a good conscience. It is the voice of the born-again human spirit. It's when you're born again, you have a good conscience. The voice of your spirit, it's good. It'll bring peace. If your conscience tells you, no, don't do that, and you think, well, that's not peace, what it's doing is bringing peace because if you don't do that, you'll end up having peace. But if it tells you, yeah, do that, then you can go ahead and do that and it'll bring peace. Either way, if you listen to your conscience, it'll always bring peace, the end result. Y'all found that? The end result is always going to be peace. It's always going to be good. It's always going to affect you agreeably. So you can trust that, but what you have to do is grow up and have a spiritual mindset because what that thing is going to do is communicate to you the influence of the Holy Spirit. So if we haven't grown up and we don't know, we can't tell what the influence of the Holy Spirit is, then your conscience isn't going to be able to tell you good, peace, confirming. Okay? Go to the next one for me. 1 Peter 3.20 says this, which sometime we were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. So the human race, we were, we were disobedient. Remember the days of Noah? Everybody was disobedient, weren't they? Except for Noah. Okay? And even his sons, they went in because they were family, but they were sketchy afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Well, you don't, but we'll get... Never mind. Wait. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also save us now by putting not, what does it say? Not, did you see that? Not, not the what? Putting away the filth of the flesh. Not putting away the filth. Listen, what gets us saved is what? The answer is a good conscience towards God or my spirit is being alive towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh. Religion will always tell you to put away the filth of the flesh and that is what will save your hiney. Doesn't it? He says, no, guess what? That ain't the answer. The answer is what? A good what? Yeah, my spirit's alive and God. My conscience will give me the answer and it will save me. Remember, rescue me. Physically rescue me out of whatever I need to be rescued. My good conscience is what is going to save me. Not putting away the filth of the flesh. You can do your checklist all you want. Buddhist monks do it really good. How many know they, riches isn't really high on their radar screen, is it? Is it? No, they take like vows of poverty. Don't they? Live in monasteries. You could put away the filth of your flesh. It ain't going to save you. It will not rescue you. But your good conscience will. Why? Because a good conscience agrees the mind, affects the mind agreeably. It always brings peace. It's confirming. It's 
So I want to know, because you know what? God's not going to tell you anything that's not going to bring good in your life. He will never tell you to do something that doesn't bring good. You know, beauty, bounty, better, you know, the real good. Not the good conscience good. You know, our actual good. Okay, go to the next one. This is an evil conscience. That Greek word evil means this. Full of labors. It's work. Annoyances. Hardships. It's pressed and harassed. You ever feel pressed and harassed? Bringing toil. You know what toil is? Working hard. Sweating. Right? Chain gang. You ever see, you know, the chain gang? Out there working on it in the hot? Right? And it causing, causing pain and trouble. Now, an evil conscience is what people who are not born again have. It's the voice of guilt. That's why God brought the law 430 years after He cut covenant with Abraham because people were messing up. They were free, He says, but they were transgressing the covenant. So He had to give them the law in order because they didn't have a spirit, they didn't have a conscience, they didn't, they weren't alive, they couldn't, they couldn't find out what it might remember because that verse we read was that the law is written naturally in our hearts when we're born again. Remember that, and it's our conscience speaking to our thoughts that excuses or excuses. He instituted the law so that people would feel guilty so they would do the right thing until Jesus could get here and He could write the law on our hearts and in our minds and then we would be a law unto ourselves. So, if you are feeling guilty, you are not operating. It's not a spiritual mindset. Remember, I talked about this before. Red flags should go off. That's the flesh. Guilt comes from the flesh. It comes from the law. It is an evil conscience. We don't have to... No, that ain't us anymore. We have a good conscience. I don't need to be led or driven by guilt. If you feel guilty and you're doing something, stop. If you're doing something because somebody's making you feel guilty, stop. Let me say that again. If you're doing anything because someone is making you feel guilty about it and it's causing you to take that action, don't do it. We all get that? I don't care who it is that's telling you that. If somebody's guilting you into something, it ain't from the Spirit of God. Don't take that action. I don't care if it's... There's huge pressure to do it too. Because at work, they'll want you to you know, go along with them. And if you don't do what they... You know, they'll guilt you into it. Right? Yeah. What was that movie with Tom Hanks where he was big? Wasn't that the name of a big? Remember, and he got down next to John Lovitz and he was doing all of his work. And he told him, Well, you stop. You're making us look bad. Quit doing work. And he was trying to make him feel guilty because he was doing his job. Right? So, he's, oh, well, that ain't right. We all follow that? So, an evil conscience is what people who are not born... That's why when you say, well, you can't legislate morality. You ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can, and we do. Is, is, is murder legal or illegal? Right, so we did legislate morality. What do you know? But does it keep people from doing it? No, only the people that feel guilty about it, Right? They feel guilty on the front end. Well, I wouldn't want to do that because I'd feel guilty about it. That's that's people that aren't born again. That ain't us. The law is written on our hearts. It's our good conscience that tells us, yeah, do that or don't do that. But it's not just about doing crimes and lying, cheating, cussing, smoking, drinking, doing, going out with those that do. It's about, do I get gas here or do I get gas there? Now, that may seem stupid, but what if uh, when I was brought up, we always got gas at the cheapest place. 
Was that being led by our spirit or led by the dollar? Uh-oh. Did you follow? Now, what if we got gas somewhere just because it was cheaper and we ended up getting in a drive-by shooting? Why'd God let this happen to me? Did He tell you get gas there? Now, I'm making it an extreme example so you understand every area of your life. What do we do? Are you checking with your conscience? Are you checking with your spirit? All right, God, influence me, Holy Spirit. Where do I get my groceries? Are we going just to the cheapest place or are we going where He tells us to? Are we being led by our our spirit? And the Spirit, are we being influenced by the Holy Spirit or are we being influenced by the dollar? Or are we being influenced by convenience? Or are we being influenced by the neighbor? Or whoever, where, you know, are we buying the right car so everybody will think we're buying the right car? Or we, you see, how, see how subtle it is? And we get off of our conscience. So we don't want to, you do not want to be in that spot where, because what will happen, every, listen, every problem that I've got in my life is because I violated my conscience and I know it. Every single time that I, and it's cost me a lot, hundreds of thousands of dollars, because I made mistakes, because I didn't listen to my conscience. And actually, I did stuff because I would have felt guilty if I didn't do it. You know, because there's friendships and relationships, and there's, what will they think? Chips fall where they may. Your good conscience will always bring peace, it'll be confirming, it'll affect you agreeably. An evil conscience is full of labors, annoyances, hardships. I mean, no, well, because this is what will happen. If you don't do whatever that person who you have a relationship with is trying to get you to do, is that work? Is that full of labors to keep the relationship up? Because now they're trying to put parameters on you and get you to behave a certain way in order to keep that relationship going. You following this? It's toil. You know, you've got relationships, you know, where it's just absolute work. It's drudgery to keep the relationship going, don't you? I do. I'm related to a lot of them. It's just, and, and really, that's the only reason we put up with the labor, isn't it? Because it's blood. You know, blood's thicker than water. Well, if Jesus turned water into wine, couldn't turn blood into water, and we'll get out of here. I, because there's just nothing but toil. You know, you don't look, oh, I don't know. No, you do. Think of that relative or whoever that you have a long past with, your roommate in college or whatever, that you know, and it's nothing but pressed and harassed. Bringing toil. It's just work to keep this relationship going. Why? Because they're always guilting you into this and trying to manipulate you into doing that. And if you, do, and you don't do that, you know, well, then I guess we can't be friends. Good, then we can't be friends. Have a nice day. There's huge pressure not to listen to your conscience, but listen to all these other voices. And you know why? Because we've, we've been brought up on listening to all these other voices. We have never trained ourselves to hear our conscience because our conscience is very quiet. It's neither loud, nor urgent, nor persistent. Or God called a still small voice. Isn't it? It will not argue with you that you shouldn't eat the Oreos. It'll tell you once, you know you shouldn't have the Oreos. Then you'll say, shut up, I'm eating the Oreos. All right, now, I guess we could go over here. Turn to Johnny. Here's a story. We all pretty much know it. But this illustrates uh, an evil conscience in Jesus' time. Be all right if we looked at something that was real time like that? All right. John 8 and verse 1. 
I feel like we've done a lot of I've done a lot of talking here this morning, not a lot of scripture reading, but we need to you know get this foundation kind of built because when we hit the ground running, I'm going to give you a ton of scriptures. You know what's coming, right? Buckle up. All right, verse verse one of chapter eight says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So now he's having what? Service at church? Okay. It's like what's going on right here. He's having church service. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. All right, now let's just stop right there. These cats, these are the religious leaders. You see that? Scribes and Pharisees. The religious leaders, they run the temple. They bring a woman. They interrupt his church service, teaching. And they come up to the front, and they grab a woman, and they throw her down in front of them and said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Uh, that's an interesting church service, ain't it? Now, two things go off in my mind. Well, caught in the very act, how did you guys know? Because were you peeping in? You perverts? And you're the religious leaders. Shocker. Same thing still going on today. Oh, oops, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Right? And then where's the guy? Because if she was caught in the act, don't it take two to tango? So where's he at? Right? This is the first two things that I'm thinking. So now Moses in verse 5 in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What do you say, Jesus? And they said this, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard him not. I don't know what he's writing, but I'd love to know. I wonder if he's writing out everything that they did wrong. You know, wouldn't that be funny? Pharisee Jim. Right, and then write that one out where everybody could see it. I don't know. I'm just guessing. So when they continued asking him, so they keep bugging him, and he lifted himself up and he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I says, well, any of you perfect people, go ahead and throw. There's a rock pile right over there. And again he stooped down and started writing on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. And Jesus lifted himself up, and he saw none but the woman, and he said, Woman, where are those that accused you? Does no man condemn you? And she said, No man, Lord. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Did he make her feel guilty? So, so condemnation or guilt never comes from the Lord. You saw that, right? Where did it come from? These people who were keeping the what? Law. The, scri- the religious people. And then, because they're not born again, they don't have a good conscience. The only how did Jesus work them? He made them feel what? But he, but who did it? They did. Their own guilt convicted. It was their own guilt. All he did was ask a question, didn't he? Hey, if you're not, if you haven't sinned, go ahead and kill her. But the law made them feel good, so that's an evil conscience. Do you see the difference between a good conscience and an evil conscience? Good conscience is Jesus, isn't it? I don't condemn you. Wasn't that what a good conscience was? I don't condemn you. Just don't do that again. It'll mess you up. The other ones, they are condemning her. Right? Guilty conscience. Evil conscience. Good conscience. You see the difference? When you ain't born again, the only thing that can drive you 
is guilt. That's why religion is so big. Because there's so many people on the planet that aren't born again that every... Take whatever religion you want and it's all about doing a behavior checklist. I don't care what religion is. What they do is they guilt you into certain behavior and make you have an evil conscience. That's what they try to activate. And Christianity, which is not a religion, it's a life, the Zoe life of God, we've turned it into a religion and made it a checklist. And then we shut down our conscience. When we're doing a checklist, you cannot hear your, the voice of your spirit. Did you hear me? I started out this church telling everybody, dump the Ten Commandments. You've got to. Because if you're... Look over here in Galatians. If you're doing your checklist... Mm, hallelujah. Look at Galatians 3. And let's get verse 13. We all know it. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So you've been redeemed from the curse of the law, Right? But if you go back and start doing your checklist, look at verse 10 of that very same chapter. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the... You're under the curse. So you take away the redeeming part of the, that Jesus redeemed you from the curse and you go do your checklist and you work under an evil conscience, guess what? You're back under it. And all the stuff in the curse is, where it is what? Sickness and disease and poverty and lack and bad relations. Your life sucks. And think about it. Look at all the people that are doing their checklist. Are they happy? They're full of labors, annoyances, toiling. You ever toil? Oh, I didn't get my quiet time in. I feel pre- you ever feel pressed and harassed because you didn't feel like you measured up? Yeah, red flag go off. That's an evil conscience. Tell it, shut up, because I'm trying to hear my good conscience. Your good conscience will never condemn you and tell you. Ah, you worthless... No, it will never tell you that. Did Jesus tell her that? The woman caught in the very act? No. He said, you know what? I don't condemn you. Go on. Where's all your accusers? The people who were condemning her. You Do not shut yourself... Do not shut down your ability to hear from God for yourself because the number one way, again, perceive. Spirit-to-spirit communication. I hear what my spirit says through my conscience. A good conscience. One that brings peace and is confirming. Don't shut that off by doing a checklist. Don't shut that off by getting into guilt. Because if you do, you can't get rhema. And I need it on the fly. I need to know, do I make this business decision or not? Alright, so go to the next one. Hebrews 10. I want to show you a scripture about an evil. Look at this. Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from a what? And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that is faithful is promised. You want to hold fast to your profession of faith? You've got to understand before you can that you've been sprinkled from an evil conscience that doesn't exist anymore for you. And if you bring it back, why would you, you know, if you, are, you, got a, you, know, you just got a shower, would you go waller in the mud? That's what you're doing when you bring back an evil conscience. You've been washed. It's sprinkled. Gone. Purged. I'll show you purged here when we get into it a little deeper. But if your heart has been sprinkled from it, you've got to know that anything full of labors and annoyances, toil and pressed, is not coming from God. You've been, pur- you've been sprinkled from it. It's washed. It's gone. And in, in order for you to hear your good conscience, to hear from God, you can't be operating under guilt. You cannot condemn you. That's why I spent a lot of time on this telling you, you guys, 
what was it, two weeks ago when I talked about how the church, Constantine, right, took over the church and everything is manipulating people for their behavior and their money. We've been doing that for a long time. It shut us down from hearing from God. It shut us down from hearing our own spirit. Because when you operate in that, all you're hearing is the voice of an evil conscience. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You don't measure up. You didn't. No. You know what? When God looks at me, I'm perfect. Remember how we showed you those scriptures a couple weeks ago? We'll listen to it again. When God looks at you, you're perfect. If you don't have that spiritual mindset, it'll shut you off from hearing from Him. If your own heart condemns you, if you let your heart... You, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. If you're not good enough for God to talk to you, guess what? He won't talk to you. If you are, He will. And He wants to. He's broadcasting 24-7. It's always available 365 days a year, 366 on leap year. He don't take off. You understand? We cut ourselves off from it. And then we get in a jam. God, why'd you let that happen to me? He was trying to tell you. The whole time trying to tell you. Now, you, part of your conscience, hearing your conscience, is doing your due diligence and not being lazy. Did you hear me? Because I've had people take this and then they don't do what they're supposed to do and then wonder why it all fell apart on them. I've had people think, well, here, I'll just give you an example. They were doing a business deal. They didn't do their due diligence and check out all the deal. They just were going to rely on whether their conscience told them it was a good deal or not. And since they didn't get a check, they didn't get a no, then we're going to go full bore, and then they lost everything. You can't do that. Your conscience should have told you, do your due diligence. Check this person out. Because you don't want to enter into something without having any, all the knowledge that you can have. Do you understand? We don't want to be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. Get your consumer reports. Look at all the information whatever car you're going to buy. Go pick it up. Test drive it. Then while you're in the middle of doing all that, then let your spirit tell you, no, this one ain't for me, or yes, it is. A lot of times it won't tell you until you're in the middle of it. When I was up in Washington this week, you know what? I, I, I look back fondly on that time we were in Washington. I love that place. As soon as I got there, my spirit said, this place ain't for you. It, it didn't tell me that until I got there. Do you understand? Until I got in that first rush hour traffic. And then my conscience said, this place ain't for you. I mean, I forgot all the pain of the rush hour traffic in my little, you know. Well, I didn't have a check in my spirit. I just think it's great. Till you get up in the middle of it, then it'll tell you, this ain't for you. Do you understand? So you cannot take this and go all the way in the other direction. Keep it between the ditches. You understand? Keep it on the center of the highway. Do all your due diligence. Don't be lazy. Make sure you, you check out everything. When you're making a decision on buying a house or whatever it is, a real estate deal, you want to check that thing out. You don't just go to go, well, did God tell me yes or no? Get all the information you can get and then pray about it and let it find out yes or no. Because a lot of time you're conscious, God will not give you the information until you're very right up on top of it. Because His Holy Spirit is a guide, step by step. He don't tell you the whole plan. You don't get map quest turn by turn directions. I wish we did. But he doesn't work like that, step by step. So you've got to do everything that you know how to do, and then he'll show up. You understand? This isn't like, you know, take my pack off and just, oh, you know, feed me bonbons and grapes, and God will just tell me yeah or no. No. Because it's with God all things are what? Possible. With means there's two of you, right? It's not just God doing it. You've got to show up. What's that scripture over in uh, Ephesians 6? Having done all to stand... Right? Having done all, then stand. What is it? Let's read it. Ephesians 6. 
Let's start, start at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all, then what? Stand. Having done what? All. So this isn't like an excuse to just do nothing. Well, I'll just like, you know, I didn't get a check in my spirit. That's stupid. Because what will that? It'll eat your lunch. Y'all following this? I don't, want, I don't want you to run off the cliff thinking, because well, guess what? You might not be as developed as you think. You might not be hearing your conscience as good as you think. Do you ever, you ever uh, like have a drop phone call? Or do you ever talking on the cell phone and somebody? I mean, you I mean, no. I know Kimmy pretty good. How I many know sometimes I can't hear what she said even on the phone, like a little static or something? If I didn't hear it right, you know what? I need to find out what she was she was saying because it could have been important. You ever seen that drop call commercial where he's going to pick up the kids and he's at the tennis lessons and she was going to what? Now what? You know, you need to reestablish communication, right? You know, with all these other voices out there, they're all vying for your attention. There may be some static out there at times when you're trying to hear your conscience. Think? Yeah. So if there's any doubt, let's just stop and hang on just a minute. Don't be in a rush. If this is the last deal, I mean, look, it ain't the last deal. God won't do that to you. Will He? Will He? No. And if, oh, you've got to do it right now. No, I don't. You don't have to. Take some time and find out. If you, you know, you, you ever been in a spot where you just don't know for sure one way or the other? Well, the decision has to be right now. Does it? Who's saying that it has to? Who's giving you the urgent voice? Who's the one pressuring you into making the decision right now? Figure that out and assess. Where's this coming from? Where's this urgency coming from? It's not coming from God. Because with Him a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a what? He got time, doesn't He? What if we miss it? He'll cue up another one. See, it's like these rental properties that I got. Oh, we got to close on the deal? we got to close on No, we don't. If I didn't, well, you know this is only once in a lifetime? No, it isn't. But I went for it anyway because I violated my conscience. Now I'm stuck with stuff. What if, what if I didn't do it? Well, I wouldn't be in the mess that I'm in. And if there was another deal, it would come along. They make houses every day. What if all the land in the world's bought up? Don't worry, they got property on the moon. They're fixing to colonize up there. God will hook you up. Don't you worry. He's your source, not this one thing that you've got to do right this second, right now. Where is it coming? Why is it urgent? See, take this assessment. Figure out who's pushing you. Who's pulling you? What's going on? Because God won't push you nor pull you. You understand? He's a gentleman. He doesn't operate like that. He'll quietly, you know, say, go over here or go over there. No, don't do that one. Yeah, do this one. That's the number one way how he operates. Perceiving. And you can hear that influence through the voice of your spirit. Don't get caught in an evil conscience. Don't get caught in guilt. Because it will shut down your ability to hear what God's telling you and hear the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to look at these in the coming weeks. The Bible clearly states different, different. it's a positive side and a negative side of conscience. And there's categories 
and, 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 and territories where you want to be able to enhance that ability to hear from God and what not to do so you don't shut it down. And people will shut their stuff down and they'll shut it down and if you override the voice of your conscience enough, it'll be over. You'll never hear it again. You ever heard of seared conscience? We'll get to it. But don't you, and before we get to it, I want you to be aware. If your conscience is telling you something, do not override it between now and the time we get to it because it could be eight, nine weeks before we get there. But I want you to be aware. If your spirit's telling you, don't do that, yeah, do this, do not override that and then keep overriding it and keep overriding it. Because what will happen is you'll get calloused and you'll sear your conscience and you shut down the voice of your spirit and you won't be able to hear from God anymore. We don't want to do that because guess what? Now we're really screwed. Now all i got left is that checklist. And how's that working out? Not too good. Look around. Just look around this town. How many people in their checklist? I see nothing but health problems, relationship problems, financial problems. I even told one guy, you know, you don't have to have that. You know, God will help you. Well, I think the Lord's just trying to move me in another direction. If you had your conscience going, he could just tell you move in another direction, then you just go do it, right? You don't have to go through the ringer. That's why people think that they have to go through the ringer because they don't even hear God. They don't know Him. If you knew Him, you know He wouldn't do that to you because He only wants good for you. All right, so we'll, we'll uh, pick up next week. I didn't finish out here. Shocker. Yeah. But I want us to be aware of when you hear, you hear your conscience. If you don't know what your conscience sounds like, go do something that you know you're not supposed to do. Like go in the, you know what I'm saying? And it'll tell you, don't do that. Like reach for the whole entire box of Oreos. Don't do that. That's your conscience. If you want to locate it, go do something that you know you're not supposed to do. And it'll tell you, don't do that. Okay, now you found it. Now I want, I want to hear that. Be aware and be listening for that voice to tell you, don't do that or yeah, do this. And we'll learn over the next couple, several weeks how to develop that and hone it. Cause I want, and man, it's so good when you get it honed because it'll, it'll tell you stuff like put sunscreen on. That doesn't seem very spiritual, does it? But how I many know it is if I don't get blistered? God, God helped me with good, didn't he? Because I'd be like, why did God let me blister? He must be trying to teach me something with this skin cancer. No, he told me to put sunscreen on. Or he's not, drink water. Why? Because you're dehydrating so you don't go toes up right here in the street. Drink water. Your spirit will tell you stuff, and it's a lot of stuff that will help you in the natural. It's not like some hokey, whoo, you know, go over here and lay hands on so-and-so. But most of the time he ain't telling you that. Because so-and-so ain't ready for you to be, have hands laid on them anyway. They won't receive it. Did you follow this? Now, I'm excited about it because, you know, we get a hold of this, we're dangerous. Because then nobody can push you or pull you around in life again. You're confident that you hear the influence of the Holy Spirit? Nobody would guilt you into nothing, push you into nothing, pressure you into nothing. Don't you get tired of getting pressured into stuff? I just tired of it. Tired of society pressure. You've got to live a certain way and act a certain way. Who said Who said? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you can't pay your house off early. It's just not done. Who told you you couldn't? It says right in the contract you can. Right? No penalty. Well, it's just not done. Let's start finding out how... we See, that's conformed to the world. I want to find out all the tricks that God... Because God can navigate you through this thing and you'll be looking good. 
and life will be good. And people are like, wow, how did that happen? They're just lucky. Okay, but I'm lucky all the time. Thanks. Okay? All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come alongside us this week and help us to be aware uh, of when our conscience is talking to us. Help us to hone in on that. Help us to train that and, hear, and, uh, and, and respond to it. Not just hear it, but actually do what it's telling us. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.